tell the truth, I don't think Lizzie would ever have told us her elephant story at all if Carl had not been called Carl. Maybe I'd better explain. I'm a nurse. I was working part-time in an old people's nursing home just down the road from where we live. It was part-time because I wanted to be home for Carl, my nine-year-old son. There were just the two of us, so I needed to be there to see him off to school and be there for him when he got back. But sometimes, at weekends, they asked me to do overtime. I couldn't always say no. We all of us had to take our turn to do weekend duties, and if I'm honest, the money helped. So at weekends, if Carl hadn't got anywhere else to go, or anyone else to look after him, they let me bring him into work with me. I was a bit worried about it at first, whether anyone would mind, how he'd get on with all the old folks. But he loved it, and as it turned out, so did they. For a start, he had the whole park to play around in. Sometimes he'd bring a few friends. They could climb the trees, kick a football about, whiz around on their mountain bikes. As for the old folk, the children's visits became quite a feature of their weekends, something for them to look forward to. They would gather around the sitting room windows to watch them, often for hours on end. And when it was raining, Carl and his friends used to come inside and play chess with them or watch a film on the television. Then, just a couple of weeks ago, on the Friday night, it snowed, and snowed hard. I had to go to work at the nursing home the next day. I was on the morning shifts that weekend, and so Carl had to come too. But he didn't mind, not one bit. He brought half a dozen of his friends along with him. They were going tobogganing in the park, they said. They didn't have a toboggan between them. They simply brought along anything that would slide. Plastic sacks, surfboards, even a rubber ring. As it turned out, bottoms worked just as well as anything else. The nursing home was loud with laughter that morning as the old folks watched them gallivanting out there in the snow. In time, the tobogganing degenerated into a snowball fight, which the old folks seemed to be enjoying as much as Carl and his friends were. I was busy most of the morning, but the last time I looked out of the window, I saw that, much to everyone's delight, Carl and his friends were busy building a giant snowman right outside the sitting room window. So I was taken completely by surprise when I walked into Lizzie's room a few minutes later and found Carl sitting there at her bedside in his head and his coat, the two of them chatting away like old friends. Ah, so there you are. Lizzie said, beckoning me in. You did not tell me you had a son, and he is called Carl. I can hardly believe it. And he looks like him, too. The likeness, it is extraordinary. Amazing. I have told him also about the elephant in the garden, and he believes me. She wagged her finger at me. You do not believe me. I know this. No one in this place believes me, but Carl does. I hustled Carl out of the room and away down the corridor, ticking him off soundly for wandering into Lizzie's room like that uninvited. Thinking back, I suppose I shouldn't have been surprised. Carl was always wandering off. What did surprise me, though, was how furious he was with me. She was just going to tell me about her elephant, 
he protested loudly, tugging at my hand, trying to break away from me. There isn't any elephant, Carl, I told him. She imagines things. Old people often do that. They get a bit mixed up in the head sometimes, that's all. Now come along, for goodness sake. It wasn't until we were back home that afternoon that I had a chance to sit Carl down and explain all about Lizzie and her elephant story. I told him I knew from her records that Lizzie was 82 years old. She had been in the nursing home for nearly a month, so we had got to know one another's little ways quite well already. She could be a little prickly and even cantankerous with the other nurses sometimes. But with me, I said, she was considerate and polite and quite cooperative. Well, mostly. Even with me, though, she would become rather obstinate from time to time, especially when it came to eating the food that I put in front of her. She wouldn't drink enough either, no matter how much I tried to encourage her. Carl kept asking me more and more questions about her. How long has she been in the nursing home? What's the matter with her? Why is she in bed in her room and not with the others? He wanted to know everything, so I told him everything. How she and I had taken a particular shine to one another, how she was very direct, to the point of bluntness sometimes, and how I liked that. She told me once, on the very first day she came into the nursing home, I might as well be honest with you. I do not like being in here, not one bit. But since I am, and since we shall be seeing rather a lot of one another, then you may call me Lizzie. So that's what I did. To all the other nurses, she was Elizabeth, but to me, she was Lizzie. She slept a lot, listened to the radio, and she read books, lots of books. She didn't like to be interrupted when she was reading, even when I had to give her some medication. She especially loved detective stories. She told me once, rather proudly, that she had read every book that Agatha Christie had ever written. The doctor, I told Carl, thought she couldn't have eaten properly for weeks, maybe months before she came in. And that's certainly what she looked like when I first saw her, so shriveled and weak and vulnerable, her skin pale and paper-thin over her cheekbones, her hair creamy white against the pillows. Yet even then, I could see that there was something very unusual, very spirited about her. The steely look in her eye, the sudden smile that lit up her whole face. I knew nothing of her life. No relatives came to see her. She seemed to be entirely alone in the world. She's a bit like Gran, I told Carl, trying to explain her state of mind to him as best I could. You know, like a lot of old people, a bit muddled and forgetful. Like when she starts up about her elephant. She goes on about it all the time, not just to me, to everyone. There was an elephant in the garden, you know, she says. It's all nonsense, Carl, I promise you. You don't know, Carl said, still angry at me. And anyway, I don't care what you say. I think it's true what she told me about the elephant. She's not fibbing. She's not making it up. I know she isn't. I can tell. How can you tell? I asked him. Because I tell fibs sometimes. So I can always tell when someone else is, and she's not. And she's not muddled either, like Gran is. 
If she says she had an elephant in her garden, then she did. I didn't want to argue. I didn't want to make him any more cross with me than he already was, so I said nothing. But I lay awake that night, wondering if Carl could possibly be right. The more I thought about it, the more I began to think that maybe there was a ring of truth about Lizzie's elephant. The next morning at work, with Carl and his friends cavorting about in the snow, I was sorely tempted to go in and ask Lizzie about her elephant, but it never seemed to be the right moment. It was best not to probe, not to intrude, I thought. She always seemed to me to be a very private person, happy enough in her own silence. We had got used to one another, and I think both of us felt comfortable together. I didn't want to spoil that. As I went into her room, I decided that if she brought up the elephant again, then I would ask her. But she never did. She asked about Carl, though. She wanted to know all about him. She particularly wanted to know when he would be coming in again to see her. She said she had something very unusual, very special to show him. She seemed very excited about it, but told me not to tell him. She wanted it to be a surprise, she said. I noticed then that she hadn't drunk anything again from her glass of water and told her off gently, which she was quite used to by now. I walked past the end of the bed to close her window, tutting at her reproachfully. Clizzy, you are so naughty about your water, I told her, but I could tell she wasn't listening to me at all. Do you mind leaving the window open, dear, she said. I like the cold. I like to feel the fresh air on my face. It cools me. This place is rather overheated. I think it is a dreadful waste of money. I did as she asked, and she thanked me. Her manners were always meticulous. She was gazing out of the window now at the children. Your little Carl. He loves the snow, I think. I look at him out there and I see my brother. It was snowing that day, too. She paused, then went on. On the radio this morning, dear, I thought I heard them say that it is February the 13th today. Did I hear right? I checked my mobile phone to confirm it. Will your little Carl come in to see me today, do you think? She asked again. She seemed to be quite anxious about it. I do hope so. I should like to show him. I think he would be interested. I'm sure he will, I told her. But I wasn't sure at all. I knew full well Carl wanted to find out more about her elephant story, but it looked to me as if he was having far too much fun in the snow outside. Lizzie said nothing more about it as I washed her and then arranged her pillows and made her comfortable again. She loved me to take my time brushing her hair. It was while I was doing this that there was a knock on the door. To my great relief and to her obvious delight, it was Carl. He came in breathless and sat down at once beside her, his face glowing snow all over his coat, still in his hair. She reached out, brushing it away, then touching his cheek with the tips of her fingers. Cold, 
she said. It was called on February the 13th. February the 13th. Her mind seemed to be wondering. Your elephant, your elephant in the garden, you're going to tell me about your elephant, remember? Carl said. That was when I noticed that Lizzie was becoming quite tearful and upset. I thought perhaps Carl should go. He can come back later, an another time, I told her. No. She was very insistent that we stayed, that she wanted us to stay, that she had something she needed to tell us. So I pulled up another chair and sat down beside them. What is it, Lizzie? Is there something about February the 13th that's especially important to you? I asked her. She turned her head away from me, unable to control or disguise the tremor in her voice. It was this day that changed my life forever, she said. I reached out and took her hand in mine. Her grip was weak, but it was enough to let me know that she really did want us to stay. She was looking out of the window and pointing now. Look, do you see? Do you hear? The wind is blowing through the trees. The branches, they are shaking. They are frightened of the wind, do you think? Little Carly said it that day, that the trees were frightened of the wind, that they wanted to run away, but they couldn't. We could, he said, but they couldn't. He was very sad about it. She smiled at Carl. Carly was my little brother, and you remind me so much of him. And this makes me happy, that you are here, I mean, and on this day too, so that I can tell you my story, our story, Carly's story and mine. But it makes me sad also. On February the 13th, I am always sad. The wind in the trees, it makes me remember. I had noticed before that she spoke English in a strange way, pronouncing her words carefully, too correctly and in proper sentences. Her name might have been English, but I had always thought she might be Dutch or Scandinavian or German, perhaps. It was a hot wind, a scalding wind, she went on. I do not believe in hell nor heaven come to that. But if you can imagine it, it was like a wind from the fires of hell. I thought we would burn alive, all of us. But you said it was in February, Carl interrupted. I frowned at him, but... Lizzie didn't seem to mind at all. That's in wintertime, isn't it? Carl went on. I mean, where were you living? Africa or somewhere? No, <laughs> it wasn't in Africa. Didn't I tell you this before? I think I did. She was suddenly looking a little unsure of herself. There was an elephant in the garden, you see. <laughs> no. Honestly, there was, and she liked potatoes, lots of potatoes. I think my wry smile must have betrayed me. 
You still do not believe me, do you? Well, I cannot say that I blame you. I expect you and all the other nurses think I am just a dotty old bat, a bit loopy, off my rocker, as you say. It is quite true that my bits and pieces do not work so well anymore, which I suppose is why I am in here, isn't it? My legs will not do what I tell them sometimes, and even my heart does not beat like it should. It skips and flutters, makes up its own rhythm as it goes along, which makes me feel dizzy, and this is not at all convenient for me. But I can tell you for certain and for sure that my mind is as sound as a bell, sharp as a razor. So when I say there was an elephant in the garden, there really was. There's nothing wrong with my memory, nothing at all. I don't think you're Betty at all, said Carl. Or Loopy. <laughs> that is very kind of you to say so, Carl. You and I shall be good friends. But I have to admit that when I come to think of it, I cannot remember much about yesterday, nor even what I had for breakfast this morning, but I promise you I can remember just how it was when I was young. I remember the important things, the things that matter. It is as if I wrote them down in my mind so I should not forget. So I remember very well. It was on the evening of my sixteenth birthday that I looked out of the window and saw her. At first she just looked like a big dark shadow, but then the shadow moved and I looked again. There was no doubt about it. She was an elephant, quite definitely an elephant. I did not know it at the time, of course, but... This elephant in our garden was going to change my life forever. Change all our lives in my family. And you might say she was going to save all our lives also. Chapter 2 Lizzie paused for a moment or two, then smiled across at me sympathetically, knowingly. No, no, you are too busy for this, dear. I can see that she said. You have to get on. You have other patients to look after. I know this. I was a sort of nurse once. Nurses are always busy. But I can talk to Carl. I can tell him my elephant story. There was no way I was going to miss her story now. If Carl was going to hear it, then I was too. And the truth was, that I had already sensed from the tone in her voice that she was making nothing up, that Carl had been right about her. You certainly can't stop now, I told her. I'm off duty at twelve, and that's just about now, so I'm in my own time. And we want to know all about the elephant, don't we, Mom? said Carl. Then you shall, Carly. <laughs> I think from now on I shall call you Carly like my little brother. So it will be as if you are inside the story, 
She laid her head back on her pillows. I have had quite a long life, and quite a lot has happened, so it may take a little while. You are going to have to be patient. I think to begin with, you have to know names and places. I was called Elizabeth then, or Lisbeth, some people called me. I became Lizzie much later. Mother, we always called Moody, and I had a little brother, as I have told you, about eight years younger than me, little Carly. He was always full of questions. <laughs> Endless questions, and when we answered, there'd always be another question about the answer we'd just given. <laughs> yes, but why, he would ask. How come? What for? In the end, we would often become impatient with him and just tell him it was for a blue reason. He seemed happy with that. I do not know why. Carly was born with one leg shorter than the other, so we had to carry him a lot. But he was always cheerful. In fact, he was a clown in the family, kept us all laughing. He loved to juggle. He could do it with his eyes closed, too. The elephant loved to watch him. It was as if she was hypnotized. 